Blog Talk Radio. Intelligent, controversial, groundbreaking. The great liberators are coming. Hosts Amiri Brown and Kenya White take on all topics intrinsic to the black experience. No topic is too cold or too hot. Now, here are the great liberators, Amiri Brown and Kenya White. His journey, his anger grew. His demand to be treated civilly definitely grew. While all this was happening, his genius grew too. Pop's guardian, head of the household, sustainer, emperor, commander, the king to behold. The king was present, visible, viable. Black man available and totally reliable. Still passionately paternal in all his proceedings, he portrayed the picture of undying love and needing for his royal family and his community. His firmness admired and also his loyalty. Black fathers, kings among men, determined protectors, strong and sovereign. Daddy fighter, here we are today, struggling and hustling, trying to make a way. The king is here, trustworthy and knows our roads ahead, confident assurance from his ancestors led. He's magnificently genuine to his royal subjects, ambassador, accountable, brother and blessed. Humble, regal, totally classic, that pretty black father and black man magic. Black fathers, kings among men, determined, protectors, strong and sovereign. Yeah. Hey, how 
how's everyone doing out there? This is your host, Amiri Brown, host of the Great Liberators Radio Show, coming at you live tonight. Um, it's Sunday night, 8 o'clock. Um, the topic for tonight is toxic motherhood in the black community. The call-in number is 646-564-9858. That's 646-564-9858. Um, you know, I've been doing these these live streams with with Cynthia G on her on her YouTube channel. And we did one the other day and it was from Iyana Fix My Life. And that particular one was one where it was three generations of of um black women who were locked in this dysfunctional violent cycle where the mother abuses the daughter and it had formed um you know this 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 behavior pattern cycle where you know the mother would be um abusive to the daughter and you know unfortunately within our black social spaces this is a phenomenon that is all too common and all too prevalent the thing about it is that it seems to be this this common experience um, for black people. Like when you talk to them about about their mothers and the way that their mothers behaved or the way that their mothers treated them, it seems to be this um, you know this common common theme and common thread. Like it's a it's a common thing f- for black people, and you know it's it's doing a lot of damage. And I think that this is also why uh, you've had the rise of sodomirism and other black male public figures who, who've risen up um, by playing on this, by playing on, um, you know, to be quite frank, the behaviors of black mothers that have been highly damaging um, to the black community and, and to their children. And it's something that, that we have to give, you know, we have to give validity and weight to. I don't think it's within our best interest to, um, to dismiss it. It has to, it, it definitely has to be addressed. Um, I was doing some research earlier, and I saw where um, where the stats were saying that black children are the are the most abused children. Think about that. Process that. Process that. They are the most abused children. That's that speaks that speaks volumes when we talk about the state and the condition of our girls, when we talk about the state and the condition of our boys. Now, within this within this discussion and within this topic, within, you know, the social climate that's going on right now, especially on uh social media platforms and uh especially YouTube, there we talk about this in, you know, in a way that's very hyperbolic because we we tend to demonize single mothers and act as if um, women, mothers that have a husband are some, somehow superior. But the, the thing about it is, um, when I was just referencing that, you know, that family off of Ayana Fix My Life, that mother was, she was married with a husband. She was married with a husband and was, and was carrying on like that, you know, like beating the daughter, the daughter calling her, calling her, her, um, her daughter bitch, hoe, I beat you like a bitch in the street, pulling guns on her. That is, um, that behavior has become normalized within our, within our social cognition. It's become, you know, totally normal. I mean, uh, look at the Medea caricature. 
the Medea caricature displays those, you know, those types of um, behavior patterns and thought patterns. And we laugh about it and we make jokes about it, but it's, it's, it's a real thing. Like it's a, it's a pathology. It's become pathological. And so the issue is how do we get to solutions? How do we um, make these women who, who engage in these behaviors understand the importance of the importance of motherhood, especially women who are single mothers? Because one thing about it is this, is that when you are a single mother, you are the greatest influence over those children because you spend the most time with them. You know, because there isn't like if, if the father isn't there, they don't they're not getting any influence from him. So they're getting the majority of their influence from you. And I know personally that you have some women who, you know, who will disparage their children and who will talk down on their children and who will, you know, who will curse their children out and things like that. Um, you know, call their children ugly, demean them, like especially like even within, um, you know, just my own personal experiences, you know, because my mother she um you know she was ver- ver- verbally abusive and my and my father my father he tended to be physically abusive so we got it from from both sides and but you know just th- like the way i'm i'm built and the way i'm set up you, you know it didn't it didn't inhibit me as much psychologically as me have did some of my other siblings but it was a real thing because i would remember those things i would remember you know her you know the, the, the being demeaning um, being disparaging, um, calling names and things like that. And I remember how, you know, how that would make me feel at that time as a, as a young, as a young boy. And especially when it comes to, um, to children, you know, the way these women, these mothers, you know, treat their, treat their sons. That is, that is vitally important because one thing about it is, is that we already live in a system that does not place a lot of value on black masculinity, black manhood, or black boyhood for that matter. And so when these boys who already are void of a, of a male figure within the home are browbeaten and demeaned and disparaged by the mother, and then they get that from the, you know, from the, um, from from the larger dominant society, well, then they begin to internalize that. They begin to internalize that devalue, devaluation of themselves, and they have very low, very low self self esteem and senses of self worth. And this is why a lot of these brothers will grow up and grow out and and seek to just you know sleep with with any type of woman, have no standards for who they for who they choose to be the mother of their children because they have they they have no real sense of self value, no sense of self worth. So their so their seed means nothing to them. It means nothing to them. It has very little relevance to them. And so that has that's something that has to be taught. And I know, like look, I know that for mothers in general, but especially single mothers that, you, you know, that, that's your burden, that you have a, a heavier burden to bear. You know, many of these single mothers, they work, um, that they're, they're trying to make ends meet the best way they can. They're, they're doing everything they can in their power to, you know, um, hold everything together. And so what ha- what tends to happen is that, you know, they're frustrated and they tend to take that frustration out on the children. And then another thing too that that I that I know that um, you know some mothers tend to engage in is the way they feel about about the, the boy's father. They'll project they'll project that onto the boy. They'll project that hatred and that vitriol onto the boy. 
and tell them stuff like you just like your sorry ass daddy, you know, stuff like that. And so those boys internalize that. And so it's it's a real it's a real thing and phenomenon that uh you know that 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 Tommy Sotomayor does address, albeit he does it in a hyperbolic way and in a demeaning way. And so that's something that we have to, you know, that we that we have to get to. I think what needs to be established is, um, you know, we need um, like a husbandry program for brothers and we need a, a motherhood program for sisters, a fatherhood program for brothers and a motherhood program for sisters, because we have to understand that. Our patterns for 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 mothers and fathers and husbands and wives has been has been destroyed. It's been depleted. Some, so many of us come from broken homes. We come from dysfunctional family dynamics, and so a lot of us have internalized internalized those behaviors, and we carry that behavior on into our relationships. We carry that behavior on into our adult life. We carry those behaviors on, and so it 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 develops into an intergenerational thing. And that was the, you know, that's what was taking place with, with, um, with that family on Iana, on Iana. Um, and so those things are, um, are vitally, vitally important. Um, we have a couple of callers in here. The number to call is six four six five six four nine eight five eight. Press one if you want to, if you have a question or a comment or want to add to, um, you know, to the discussion. But, um, you know, yeah, like I was saying, so this toxic motherhood has to be has to be addressed um, because one thing we do understand is that you have stay at home mothers and then you have stay at home hood rats. Now, what do I mean by that? What's what's the difference between a stay at home mother and a stay at home hood rat? A stay at home mother, she tends to her children, she cooks for the children, she cleans she cleans up. And she's productive, you know, tending tending to the to to the house. Now, what's a single? Uh, what's a stay-at-home hood rat? A stay-at-home hood rat lays around all day. The children eat 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 sporadically, and and they eat um tend to eat unhealthy foods. She pays very little attention to the children. She's in front of the TV all day watching watching bullshit TV programming, you know all these types of things. And so, because what you have, you have a lot of a lot of women. They'll be like, oh well, I'm a stay at home mother, and I'm and if I, I I can look at your home life and look and see what you're doing, and no, you a stay at home you a stay at home hood rat. See, we, so we have to because one thing I have been talking about is higher standards of of manhood, but we need a higher standard of womanhood too. We need a higher standard, a higher standard of womanhood, because we can go look at story after story of women who, who you know, leave the children at home, and you know they they out clubbing, and these are and these are little children, they out at the club, and and the little and the little children at home. You have women who will meet a guy, don't notice, don't notice this guy from the man in the moon. You only been knowing them, knowing them ten seconds, and already you moving them in. I've seen women engage in these behaviors. I've seen black mothers engage in this behavior. I've seen them engage in this behavior, and those and those um, behaviors are, you know, they're they're highly highly damaging. And so it's not like some of these things that you know that people are saying. Um, when it comes to some of these mothers out here, doesn't have um, validity, validity to it. You see, and so we have to be honest when we have these discussions, and that's something that's going to take, you know, thick skin. Take, you know, it's going to take for us to have have thick skin when we talk about these um, these issues and these problems. 
because that's the only way we can ever get to ever get to any real healing. I think like my mother, and it's something I talked about before with Veronica Conway. Um, I, you know, me and my mother, we didn't have a great relationship coming up. Um, because I, as a boy, I had, a, you know, I already had a temper and my mother, she was one where she was a type of mother where she could just be on you and be on you and be on you and be on you to the point of snapping to the point of where, you know, you, you just, you, 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 you get angry, you know, and that's, and that's something that, that she would do. So me and her would bump head would bump heads a lot. And I remember around the age when I was 13, my father, he, he sent for me. He was living in um, Liberty City, Miami. He sent for me, and I went and lived with him. And I remember the first day that I um, that I was there. He called me and he said, he said, um, you know, a mother should never once 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 you reach a certain age as a boy, a mother should never should never um, hit her son. And at that at that time period, you know, I processed that, but I didn't really understand what he meant. But now sitting here today as, you know, as a 37-year-old man, I, I I totally understand what he meant. There is a certain level of emasculation that a mother can cause if, you know, by the way she behaves with her son. It has to be, you know, it has to be an, an, an even-handed thing. It has to be, you know, measured. Um, because, you know, single mothers, and I hate to use that term because it's become so stigmatized within the social climate, but not even single mothers, mothers in general, they can they can harm the the socialization and the development of their boys in two ways. They A, can either be too overbearing and too stringent and too strict, and B, they can, they can be too nurturing and, and too coddling and too smothering of their son. And what we see playing out with a lot of these brothers today, it exists within those two extremes. It exists within those two extremes. You have some brothers who are who were, you know, traumatized by their mother. And so they have, you know, this sense of abandonment issues and anger and vitriol to their mother. And so they project that onto black women because black women look the way their mother looks. So they, so they, they make that association and that correlation. And then you have this other group of crop of men who are emotionally underdeveloped, uh, codependent, psychologically demand who can't, process or um function within this white supremacist society and so they they seek to latch on to a to a female that most closely gives them that relationship dynamic that they had with their mother and so a lot of these brothers they will and and they might they might be good dudes but they'll have this thing where where they can't function and exist on their own they can't stand on stand on their own two feet you see and so we have to realize that that this is a this is a real thing that plays itself out um within our social spaces and within our socialization you know the the way that these children can be harmed psychologically and it's not something that's just rendered to to single mothers because fathers can do this too fathers if you know the way we behave and we act as parents uh generally speaking has a lot to do with the way our children turn out and if we're not careful in the way we behave and the way we conduct ourselves and the way we treat our children then we can actually sabotage sabotaging them subconsciously and we won't even realize it realize that that's what we're doing we won't even realize that and so there's an and it's something that you know that i've diagnosed before what you actually have going on is you have this entire 
culture of disrespect that exists where men and women disrespect each other. Husbands disrespect wives, wives disrespect husbands, mothers disrespect their, their daughters, fathers disrespect, disrespect their sons, vice versa. It's an entire culture of disrespect that is operating and that is functioning. And it's, you know, it, it's problematic and it's something that needs to be broke. This pattern needs to be broken. And that's why, um, you know, me and Kenya, the great liberators, we've been focusing more so on the brothers because it's some, the cultural shift has to start with the men. If the men set a different culture, then a different culture would be set. That is the power that we have as men. Um, we actually have a caller calling 770. I'm bringing you on right quick. Yeah, hello? Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up? What's going on? What's going on, on with you? Uh, do, I'm good, bro. What's good with you? Uh, nothing, man. Just you know, trying to maintain. We touch, you know, touching on this topic, you know, toxic motherhood in the black community because it is something that needs to be highlighted and that and that needs to be addressed. And we do have to yeah. have a higher standard of of womanhood and motherhood within our, you know, within our um our communities. We we just do. It has to start with start with that too, because the first um you know nurturer is the mother. The first nurturer is is the mother, and so. Uh, I, what I like, what I find like with my with my mother, right? As I think about it, she had the propensity to be a nurturer, but she also had the propensity to be a to be an abuser. Not physically. It wasn't it wasn't like a physical thing. It was um it was verbal. It was verbally abusive. You know, like just the, the things that they would say. And you know, this is something I talk about all the time. Like we you can you, like you'll see you'll see the memes and stuff like that floating around on Facebook. And you know it'd be like, um, you know, you, only a mama could 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 take the last word you're saying, turn it around on you. You know what I'm saying? Like just stupid stuff like that. Like we normalize it and we make fun of it, but those things have real, you know, it had they have real relevance to, to the way that a lot of uh, the way a lot of our children turn out. And that was something like I had to tell, you know, I had to tell my wife um, early on, you know, like we have to be careful and cognizant of the way that we communicate with our children. Especially, especially the women, because the mother, the mother is also the first communicator. She is the first communicator. Now, a couple of days ago, when I was on PGS channel and we were talking, and he said that you know the mother is the first teacher, and I told him that is incorrect. The mother is not the first teacher. The first teacher is the culture, and the men are in control of the culture. So if we as men demoralize our women, then we're 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 also demoralizing our children. So the way that we behave and interact with and interact with a woman. Uh, it is vitally important, and it, and that goes back to something I said a little while ago when I was talking about how that a lot of mothers—I ain't gonna say a lot of mothers, but some mothers—will project the way they feel about the father onto the children. And it's easy for us to say that you know that's wrong and you should and she shouldn't do that, but it's also a reason why we should operate with a certain ethic as men to not foment that behavior in those women. You see what I'm saying? Because a lot of a lot of these sisters, we have to realize, are emotionally and psychologically damaged. I mean, when we look at the sexual abuse rates of our little girls, our little girls are uh, to the tune of 60 percent. By the time they turn 18, they're, they're, they've been sexually assaulted and sexually touched. And so that messes with your psychology. That messes with your yeah, with, exactly. that messes with our exactly. overall physiology. And so we have to realize that. And so a lot of these things that we see are symptomatic of a larger um, a larger issue, a larger pathology that is operating, and we know that the larger pathology operating is white supremacy. You see, and so 
uh, um, you know, like these things are real. I mean, look at this. In the 80s, you had an influx of, you know, crack babies and mothers that were on crack. And that's why I say crack cocaine was highly detrimental to to the black family and to the black community. When we talk about welfare, when we talk about feminism, these things are smoke screens. When we start getting to the meat and potatoes of of our issue as a black community, it's going. It, it really started in the late seventies, the mid seventies, the early eighties, when you had because during that time period, we also got to remember that there was a white backlash to the civil rights movements of the sixties. Because we got to remember the sixties was a highly violent decade. And that is actually what MLK is referencing when he talks about being integrated into a burning house. He's talking about the violence that was sweeping the country because you had all these race riots that were going on. You had the Watts riots. You had riots in Detroit, riots in Chicago, um, you know, riots on the East Coast and on the West Coast. You had all you had all of these, you know, political assassinations of of um, visible public figures. So the 60s was a highly violent decade. And so in the wake of that, the conservatives and the white supremacists, they started pushing these tough on crime bills, you know, being tough on being tough on crime, especially in urban areas and in urban settings. And then with the rise of, you know, the more black um, militant, militant black faction of the civil rights movement, that also created a need for the government to counteract that. And that's when they developed the COINTEL program that eventually gave you um, the crack cocaine epidemic. So we have to understand the way these things are laid out chronologically. And we can't just skip to skip from welfare and feminism to the 1940s and then say today we got 78 percent out of wedlock child rate because because you have no no historical reference to draw from. You don't understand the way that these events played themselves out. You see what I'm saying? If we really want to hear yeah. what what the, what the issue is, then we have to be honest about about its inception and about how we got here. We can't just say this and then skip to and skip to another part in this in this script and, and and you have this whole wide swath of history and information that is missing and this is what what is happening and this is why why i take the position that i take when it comes to the things that they say about black women and that they say about single mothers because ultimately those uh, uh those two things are a reflection of a larger um uh events that played themselves out you understand, but what's yeah. some of your thoughts on on the topic though? Topic toxic motherhood. Do you have any experiences that 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 you have that you want to that you want to talk about? Oh no, not not me personally, but I just knew a lot, a lot of guys around me. Their parents, mm-hmm. they'll, usually their baby, their sons, and they kind of want the daughter to be independent as far as just be so sufficient. Right. And it's right. just, I just feel like a lot of guys. I've just been babied, and they just been, you know, they've been coddled, like you always say. Right. And they have been coddled. No and, 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 and it, exactly. And you know what? Because you know, not only have they been coddled, but we have by the mother, but the culture reinforces the coddling, too. And, and you know, we don't necessarily yeah. see it as coddling, because don't get me wrong. I mean, there is some validity to the things that we talk about with the way that black men are targeted and victimized. But the, the the issue is when it comes to what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? See, because eventually we can't continue to make we can't continue to use those as an excuse. Oh no, I we can't continue I to use those as an excuse. No, no, I'm not talking about you. I was just, as, a, as an observation, you know. So right, right. Like I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Age, like I said, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know. Right, right. But yeah, yeah. I that, have yeah. noticed that. 
and then also I felt like school system they kind of you know they'll they'll pass you on you know so mm-hmm. you're really not really you know like you just kind of just floating through life and then it it hits you when you're hitting 18 19 years old and it's like damn you know people out here in the real world don't really care about you so you can't right. You can't recall. You can't just be um, brought along to the next grade, so to say the least. You know. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. do we like because you know you have some women who are mothers, and you talk to their their, their children. Their children are five and don't even know their ABCs and can't even count to ten. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? That is a yeah, that is like, a failure of like a that is of, a failure of motherhood. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like a lot of women need to. Maybe a lot more time uh, inside the household, helping them out with homework projects, uh, current events, right. reading to them, teaching them, learning, you know, ABCs, right. um, playing games, stuff like that. Um, right. You know, that was uh, you know that was one thing. thing that I always listen. I, that was one thing I always um, like admired about my wife. She was always good with that kind of stuff. Like she was always you know involved early on with um you know with them knowing the abcs with them being able to count she like for for a long time my wife because you know my my children i think my it was my first my my first three they they were they went to a dual language school when she volunteered there like for five years you know she was there every day you know just volunteering and so that was something that i always um admired and respected about it because you have a lot of sisters today who have become totally detached from that concept that that concept of mothering like you know just being being involved in being there you know it's something like um i heard this saying before that half the battle is being present you know what i'm saying like half the battle is 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 being present and actually being there you know what i'm saying and then you can and then you can make up the make up the difference you know with, with with a little effort that's all it takes is a little effort and you know what the, the the true thing is is that we as a people just have to strive to be better and do better as individuals whether we're talking about being men women husbands fathers um mothers and wives we have to we just have to you know strive to be better that's what it's about it's about being the best version of yourself every day in whatever avenue you're operating in you know, and we and one thing is true is that we know that due to our um, systematic and economic constraint that a lot of sisters have had to, to operate and function within the workplace for a long time. This is not something that they that they had to fight, that they had to fight for the right to do that. Sisters been doing it from the plantation. They've been they've been working out there in the field with us. You see, and 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 that yeah. also plays a part too, because what would happen, like a, a lot of times, the daughter would be would be forced to step up while the mother and father was out working. There's a study, yeah. and it's called Girlhood Interrupted, and it talks about how young black girls are ushered into womanhood at an earlier age than than, than other group, groups of girls. See, so all these things have a cumulative effect, and that's why I keep saying that ultimately, what it boils down to, everything that we see is a reflection of the condition of the men because that's what's creating the imbalance. And that is what Dr. Francis Cress Welsing talked about in her book, the ISIS papers that, because, you know, there's this thing where brothers want to call our community a matriarchy. And I was just have one question. Most um, matriarchies have a queen. Like if you look at um, the bee, the bees, they have a queen. What queen do we have in our communities? We call our we call our women bitches and hoes and thoughts. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. So how is it a matriarch? Something we have to change. We got to change right. that. We, we sexualize. Them, you know. 
exactly. It starts. It it starts there. It's a it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, it's a symbiotic relationship. So whatever we feed to our women is going to be trans is going to be trans um you know transferred to the children, and we'll see that in their behavior and their mannerisms, the way they see themselves. You see, and another thing too, a lot of our women that become mothers, they're, 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 a lot of them have psychological problems. Like my mother, when I was talking about my mother, my mother was a, was bipolar, but this is like I was saying, I came to have a great relationship with my, with, with my mother because around the age of 16, when I went to live back with her, you know, we would just talk for hours and hours and hours. And so I came to understand that everything that she exhibited wasn't her fault, that she was the sum total of her experiences and it was not her fault that the majority of those experiences were traumatic and that a, a large share of those experiences that she had that were traumatic were at the hands of black men. So we have to be we have to be we have to have these conversations, um, you know, honestly and objectively. You see what I'm saying? And so because of that, it, yeah. it, I was able to, um, you know, move on from that that um, vitriolic relationship that we had that we had. And have a you know and and have a better relationship with her, but I still have, you know, like you know some siblings who have a, you know, a strained a strained relationship with her. You know, they haven't they have not yet evolved past that 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 nexus of trauma in their lives that that they suffered. And it was something too because, you know, like I looked up to to my brother, and because he's older than me, like he's seven years older than me, right? So apparently like you know my like i said my mother was abusive and so he internalized a lot of that abuse and it wasn't until recently that me and him was talking that he told me how the things that she told him affected him even up until this day and and and, and that's why you know like i learned that it's vitally important the way we communicate to our children especially the women especially the mother see because the mother has been the the standard bearer for for nurturing and for and for love for loving and kindness and so it's important that 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 boys get that from their mother see it's something that you can provide as a father but it's something about when he gets that from his mother that helps him to develop that helps helps him to understand femininity and womanhood and value it that is also a part of the problem too within our social spaces and within our culture where we don't value femininity and womanhood is because the very first type that we have of femininity and womanhood is it, it operates in the masculine a lot of times and and it, uh you know traumatize tend to traumatize children their own children it's not all black women it's not all black mothers but as i've consistently stated a pathology does not need a majority of a population participating in it for it to exist and function they only need a plurality of people participating in it so it's so it's not all black mothers but it's enough black mothers that it's created this entire climate that's birthed sodomirism you see what I'm saying? But I'm going to have to let you go, yeah, okay. uh, go Jonathan, because I got some other callers. But I appreciate your call. Thanks okay. for calling up. All, All right, right, man. Appreciate you. All right. All right. Caller 901, I'm bringing you on. Hello. Hello? Hey. hey. Oh, this is Asia? Yes. What's up? Yes. How you been? Uh, I've been good, man. I've been good. good. I'm so yeah, proud of you. I appreciate it. Very, very proud. <laughs> Thank, Thank <What>? you. <laughs> What I was going to say was I agree with everything that you are saying, like every mm. single thing that you're saying, because I think that a lot of people, like we 
there are a lot of toxic mothers out here, but it does go mm-hmm. back to the fact of what these mothers have endured. A woman, like right. a woman is expected when something happens to her, she's expected to just suck it up and go on. Right. And we don't look at how that, we don't look at how that, how that displays where her, how that sets with her. So when a woman finally mm-hmm. lashes out, because my mom used to, like, she wasn't toxic or nothing, but when she got mad to the point where mm-hmm. she couldn't hold it in no more, she would. She would, she would go off. Right. And, I, and when I was younger, I used to be so mad. But now that I'm a mother, I, I see that now. Mm-hmm. Even though my folks are right. still married, but my dad was always in the Army, so he wouldn't be around all the time. And right. she had to, it was a lot she had to do on her own. And women have to endure so much and plus suck mm-hmm. it up and keep right. going. Right. And when they finally lash out, it's like, I mean, yeah, it is a bad, it, I mean, it does affect the children, but we do have to look at women as humans also. Right. Like, exactly. Because you know what? That's something that I talked about, too. And look, like we can have this conversation and we can have it in a way that is very maladaptive. But ultimately, that's not going to get to the heart of the problem. I mean, if we're if we're going to say like, you know, that's what Tommy side of mine, a lot, a lot of these other guys like to say, oh, we're talking about it because we just want women to do better. We, 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 we want to fix the problem. If you really want to fix the problem, you have to go to the cause. You have to go. You have to go, to, go him, to the cause. Go ahead. I just want to say this. Some of his, mm-hmm. I, like I was listening to like a debate he had with uh, Polite and stuff, and he was just talking mm-hmm. about how uh, his mother could do no wrong. Like she, I guess she felt like she couldn't do no wrong. And then he, mm-hmm. uh, and on one comment, he was talking about how when a woman coming through the door, somebody always there to open the door for her. That's stupid. <laughs> I mean, I'm not right saying it like that. But that's a reason to to even say. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Something. And that's and that's that's what that's what Tommy Sotomayor said. Yeah, he was debating with uh, Polite one day, and he mm-hmm. was talking about uh, his, they both talked about their mothers. I remember Polite saying that uh, his mother had let his dad raise him, or you know, when she had had him, she had given him to um to his dad or whatever. And when he finally met back up with his mother. She had died seven days later, so he didn't really right. have a chance with his mom. But Tommy was talking about how his mom just felt she couldn't do no wrong, and you know, right. just I, I don't know. Right. I but you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, Tommy, man, he has he has um, you know mother issues and abandonment issues, but he does represent a virulent strain out here of black men who have this sense of Venus. I'm not Venus. I'm sorry, yeah. of vagina envy. They, you know, they, they, yeah. they, oh, I asked him they rule, they rule the fact that, that black, right. That's what it is. They rule the fact that black, that women in general, but especially black women get the so-called perceived benefits. You see what I'm saying? For being a woman, when we know that ultimately for, for black women, that benefit is, you know, is, is nil because, because as black men, we've there. been, Right, exactly. Sisters have had to step up because we've been funneled out of out of the household households and communities and out of the family dynamics. And and check this out. It's not even something when I'm when I say funnel out of, I'm not even talking about physically, you know, spatially. I'm talking about um, you know, like economically. So like check it. A man can be there 
and mm-hmm. he can, you know, be in a household, but because he's e- economically irrelevant, he doesn't wield any real authority or power. Like this is what you have from a lot of brothers. They ha- a lot of brothers are suffering from a from a longing of wanting power, and this is why I keep why yep. I'm trying to beat the drum that what you seek is within yourself. That power right. and authority and that's that why you they seek want to control is, is everything about a woman. Exactly. I mean, they exactly. want to control everything about what her wearing weave, her wearing makeup, her mm-hmm. getting child support. Then I, I have to look at that. Well, maybe it's because they don't have any power and they want some power mm-hmm. over someone, so they sit and push that on a like on women. Because I have to ask guys right. a lot, like, are you interested in being with the woman or are you just interested in controlling her? Right. It's a right. You see, and 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 right, exactly, and, and and you know, a lot of brothers. They they they've suffered from being you know from being reared by a dominant mother who was toxic, and then in their relationship dynamic they they feel like they feel like they're being dominated by 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 their woman or by their female counterpart or by their wife, and so what that causes is it causes it causes a reaction where a lot of brothers seek to be dominant and domineering over the woman because what they really wish and what they really desire is is that their is that their father who was not ab, who was absent and wasn't present would have stayed would have stayed in that situation and been dominant over over their mother who dominated them as a boy. You see what I'm saying? This is the way this psychology and this psych, psychosis, you know, plays itself out and I and I keep saying like it, it's created a vicious cycle of um you know of behavior patterns and thought processes that um, that produce dysfunction and, and that have produced this this gender war. And this is why it's important it to right to contextualize the black woman's experience because if we just judge her within with, within within a vacuum and not look at what she was going through and what she was subject to, then yes. it'll be easy to demonize her. But we have to realize yes, that sisters woman have been victims a lot of like disrespect a woman has mm-hmm. put up with a lot of disrespect and ooh, a lot. And right. again, we're expected to suck ours up. Now there mm-hmm. I know that men are allowed to speak and say whatever and nobody uh, pretty much says anything, but when a woman even says anything about what she's been through, how she feel about this, she's bitter. She's all all these labels mm-hmm. she's soft on her, she's automatically hushed. So when she got to hold all mm-hmm. that in and go out mm-hmm. into the world and function every day plus deal with children on her own or whatever situation she's in, eventually it's going to come out. And it may it, it may right. do come out on the children. And not saying that right. it's right, but that is a lot taken in every day. Right. I mean, it, um, it right. has gotten... What were you saying? No, I was, I was, I was, um, I was agreeing with you, and, and this is what we see. Like we see it reflect in her physiology, and we see it reflect in her, you know, in her demeanor. And this is what you have. Like a lot of sisters, a lot of mothers, uh, they, you know, they they reach their breaking point, and and they frust, they're frustrated, and so they take it out on the children. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, that's one and thing. But we do not have right this strain all. of. Right, but we do have this strain of hood rats, man. I'm, you know, and I hate to yeah. use that term because it's so it's so stigmatized. But you do have a strain of hood rats who who don't make these mother. children exactly. They make these children from from illicit sexual. It's, you're you're it right. It, we should, and that's the way we should. And, look and at you it. should not give it to any. You shouldn't give it to just any woman. And then, like I was right. saying, it goes back to 
you know, a lot of men push the choose better thing down a black woman's throat. That that is down our throat. Oh, you should have chose better. Oh, you should have chose better. But that don't they choose who have their children? Mm. <laughs> when they knock them off, exactly, don't they but, choose that? Right. But but um, you know what? That's why I said like a lot of brothers they 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 don't place any value on themselves. But see, this is like think, check check like think about this, Asia. When they say like you should have chose better, and when they say that you know women control sex, let's look at what they're saying. See, because a lot of these brothers have been raised by you know by their mother, and so because of that, they've been taught to place all this value on women, and so they have no value on themselves. So that's why they say, well, she controls sex because they're looking at it like they gain value as a man from getting it from getting the the vagina from the woman. You see what I'm saying? This right, thing where you build I'm, up your you build up your sense of manhood from your from your JJ points. You see what I'm saying? Right, and I like tell, this is, this I is the thought process. The I mm-hmm. tell them all the time. It's one thing to have sex with a woman, but you don't have to get her pregnant, especially someone you you know you don't even want this woman. Exactly. It is possible exactly. to have sex without having children. I mean it. It may mm-hmm. don't seem that way to a lot of people, but I would not. I would not. I would not keep getting women pregnant that I don't see no future with. That I know is not good enough for me. I would. They mm-hmm. wouldn't be good enough for my kids either. Right. That's, um. That's but it. I'm. I'm gonna have to let you go, Asia. I appreciate your call. Cause I got okay. a lot of callers in here. That's a good thing. All right. But I appreciate your call. All right. I have a good one. Are uh, you too? All right. Caller five zero three. I'm bringing you on. Yeah, hello? Hey, hey, Mary. This is Cynthia. Oh, hey, how you doing, Cynthia? Good. I just wanted to make a, a, a couple of com- um, comments because it's a, it's a really good discussion. Um, it really is mm-hmm. a good discussion. But um, I wanted to say one thing about, well, a couple of things about the power dynamic and then, you know, about the, mm-hmm. the abuse of women. Because I think I've, I've talked about this on my show about how, if you know, if you if you pay attention, you know, white men in society are not running around asking for submissions mm-hmm. from their women. They're they're not doing that, right. and so right. that is because they already have all the power, so they don't need to ask for mm-hmm. submission. Whereas black men, on the other hand, they have zero power, so that's why they're trying mm-hmm. to enforce submission. And even when right. you look at their their um, reasoning for interracial dating they're saying things that are related to them wanting someone to submit. Like it, like how right. my sister was talking about on our last live stream where the the white woman um, allows that black man to be there to contribute absolutely nothing, and mm-hmm. yet he's able to pretend to be the man of the home. He gets to make rules from prison. <laughs> so right. he goes in here and these women, um, you know, and they'll say, oh, the woman, the white woman, she doesn't hold me to any expectations. She doesn't tell me when to come in, you know, complain about when I come in. So they're looking for a situation with the woman where they feel like they can gain power. Whereas if you look at white men who interracial date, they say the exact opposite. They'll say they're attracted Mm. to black women's strength. They'll say things like that, that she's very strong. She's assertive, you know. Um, my sisters have been married to them, to white men, and they will tell mm-hmm. you that the white man doesn't run the home. He, the woman ends up running the home because he has so much power that he's not looking to be in a powerful position in every situation. Like, even if exactly. you think about um, those, like the dominatrix situations with sex, 
most of the people right. engaging in that are white men. And it's like, why are mm-hmm. they engaging in it? Because the dominatrix um, sex, that fetish, is about taking power away from them. So in a lot of right. ways, white men seek situations where they're relieved of some of their power, and black men mm-hmm. are seeking situations where they can pretend to have power. <laughs> so I think that's, right. that's an, an interesting dynamic there. I don't think black men will put so much emphasis on submission for black, from black women if they weren't powerless in this society. I think right. it would be the complete opposite. Um, but right. then when we talk about mothers being toxic, we also need to include in that mothers who allow other men who are not the children's father to come into the home and subject mm-hmm. them to mistreatment too. Because um, right. that's, that's a good thing. That's one of the things that I'm watching my sister do. Um, and right. it's, it's, it's extremely disgusting it's because it's like mm-hmm. you're not protecting your children from this man who's not his, his um, it, this isn't even his father. So he's not even, he's not, right. the children aren't understanding why you're allowing that person to come in and affect their upbringing. This person is not even related to them. Um, so that's the thing. But I, I mentioned on my, my channel a while back, and I think I mentioned it to you too, mm-hmm. how there was a situation where there was a, 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 and she was a young black mom on Facebook, but she was putting pictures of her, of her sons, and they were like very young, maybe two, three, and four. And she yeah. put a caption on one of her photos, and it was extremely hood radish, where she was like, oh, I got this dark-skinned <laughs> nigga to come in here and beat my kids, and... <laughs> Just all these mm. dumb, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you're happy that you have a man in your home abusing your kids. Right. And then she has a picture of her child talking about this little nigga acting too sensitive. It's like, where he's two, so. Mm, exactly. Really? See, that's like that's the prime <laughs> example of, right, because you know what? I remember my mother, she had, um, like I was stating, you know, me and her would talk. And she, I remember she had a friend, her, her friend name was Connie. And her son was, you know, he was he was the quintessential thug in the neighborhood, you know, in and out of jail. And I remember my mother, she told me that, um, how that when, when he was young, Connie would always tell him how bad he is and how he don't have to take nothing from nobody and stuff like that. She was just basically saying that, that as the mother, she instilled that, you know, that sense of being hard in him, you know, and, and that's what helped lead him to, you know, to, to that life of crime. And that's what I'm saying, like, th- that it's important the way, you know, mothers interact with their children, you know, especially the, especially the sons, but the, but the daughters, too. You know, the daughters, too. Like, exactly. that's one thing, too, like, you know, calling, your, you know, calling your daughter hoes and, and bitches and stuff like that. Like, my mother would do or that, that, man. Like, I remember. Because right. I, I remember that. Yeah. With a black mother putting something up, bad bitches in training on her um, her right. little, and they were out there in short skirts poking out their booty and posing. It's like you're you're setting mm-hmm. your kids kids up to get raped. Like you're you're really that's that's what you're doing. Right. Right, exactly, and, that, and and so that's the one thing we do have to come to grips with as a people is that if if we're going to have a higher standard of manhood, then we need a higher standard of womanhood and motherhood too. Like those things are um, are vitally important because that's what it's going to take to break um, this this pattern that we have right now that's creating single mothers and that's creating you know absentee fathers or you know fathers who aren't necessarily in the home or who aren't married or have any any vested interest in the in the well being of the mother. Exactly. Did you see that video? Um and I was just gonna say this and I'm gonna get off because I know you said you got a lot of calls. Okay. But did you see that video 
I think I might have sent it to you. I don't I don't remember if I did, but it was a video where there was a, a, a black, um, and she was a younger mom. She looked like she might have been in her 20s or 30s. But she recorded it and put it on social media, and she's sitting in the car, and she has the little girl in weave, and they're in there talking about yes, bitch, and all this. It was, it was some big trash. Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but I, I think I saw it circulating on Facebook, but I didn't click on it because, like, I already knew what it was. Like, like check this out. I remember my mother... My younger sister had a younger sister. I remember she would do that like with my sister, like when my sister was five or six, and she would like she would curse and my mother would laugh and say like say it again, say it again. Like I remember that, you know what I'm saying? Like these things. So that's how coming. Like I know, like that's why I know that it's a real pathology. But one thing about it is, as men, we can't allow that to to um, make us embittered or indifferent to our women because the fact of the matter is that we haven't been operating above board as men either. You know what I'm saying? Like that's been my entire, that's been my entire premise that the compassion and empathy that you want for yourselves, we need to have that for sisters too. Like we got to have that for each other. You see what I'm saying? But for some reason, this, this resistance to this resistance to that notion, I mean, what you essentially have is this lynch mob mentality Calling, calling, and screaming for the heads of black women and single and black single mothers. You see what I'm saying? And when we, but we can't put any accountability on those fathers who just act like they they can't either not get the women right. pregnant or take care of their kid. We just can't do and, that. And you know what? This is that's also why the father, the absent father, is vitally important because. Because my father wasn't wasn't an absent father, he was able to come get me when I was like 13, 12 or 13, and I lived with him for like five years. You see what I'm saying? And so and so that broke that that actually helped to break the trajectory. Me and my mother was on and in our relationship dynamic. You know what I'm saying? Because I, eventually I went back and lived with her when I was 16 or 17, and we ended up developing a good relationship from that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's a, that's why really, the absent father really is vitally important. Right, because he can he can, he can bring another energy to the situation. I think D.L. Hughley lost the child because um, mm-hmm. he, like the the woman that he had a kid with prior, she had an abusive boyfriend there, and I think that they said D.L. Hughley knew about the 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 person, but he he didn't go get his kid, although he knew mm. that um, his you know his mom was was had an abusive boyfriend and he, he never went and got his kid and then the kid ended up getting killed by the by the uh the abusive boyfriend so it, it's, it's a problem right. on both ends because ultimately that child has a father so why where's he right. i mean the good thing is yours is there to kind of rescue you from that but unfortunately that's not not the way it happens right all right yeah but um yeah i appreciate your call yeah, no, definitely thank you for letting me chime in, and I won't take up the line anymore so you can get some more callers, but I'll definitely be listening. Okay. All right, bye. Bye. Um, caller 678, I'm bringing you on. Hello? Hey, 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 it's Cookie. Hey, what's up, Cookie? How are you doing? How y'all doing? I'm doing doing good. I'm doing good. Well, I, you know, I'm 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 solo tonight, man. Something came up with Kenya, so so um. You're I, I, what, <laughs> no, I, no, I said I'm so I said I'm solo tonight because something came up with Kenya. Um, you know, with her um computer at the oh. last minute, so she wasn't able to come on. So, but she she's trying to oh, work okay. on it, so she maybe she'll join us a little later because I I'd really like to you know get get her um you know her perspective on it with the with the insight that she has. Um, mm-hmm. but what's some of your thoughts on it, uh, Cookie? 
one, I love the show. <clears throat> I'm glad this oh, topic came you. up because um, my mother came from a family of ten siblings. So mm-hmm. and I'm, the, I'm the only child, so she just had me. But my aunts and uncles and them had, you know, multiple children and things like that. But um, my mm-hmm. aunt, she, every guy she's with beats on her, okay? Mm-hmm. So she was real toxic to where... Not only would they beat on her, but they'll start beating on my cousin. And mm. so, being that my mom and dad was in the Air Force and we traveled around a lot, my mom would constantly try to get them. Those are my two favorite cousins that I grew up with. So it's just like she would constantly try to get them, and my aunt would not let her have them. So they would always like try to run away. One of my other cousins became a female gangster. It got to the point she got kicked out of every school district in the county. My cousin Buzzer, he ended up going to jail for attempted murder because he started gangbanging. He's out now, but it's mm. just, that's the effect it had because not only right. would would the man take it out on them, but she would take it out mm-hmm. on them because the man is taking it out on her. You understand what I'm saying? So exactly. there was a lot of toxicity. There's a lot of toxicity with that, and I think that especially back then, <clears throat> there were no real, you know, real, real resources for us especially black people, mm-hmm. as far as counseling right. and therapy and things like that, mm-hmm. as it is now. Because right. I'll, right. I'll go to a counselor in a, in a heartbeat, you know what I'm saying? Because right. I want to be able to get rid of my traumas for my children. But, yeah, right. yeah, there, there, there are toxic you know women out there. Go ahead. Oh, hold on. Oh, oh, okay. oh, hold on. Kenya on here. All right, hold on. All right. Hey, Kenya. Let's see. Kenya. Hello. Hey, so you got okay? You, you got it straight. Okay, good, good. The show wasn't the same without you. I was like, dang, I'm flying solo right now. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, we're talking about toxic motherhood. But you know what, uh, Cookie, that's something you did mention. That's um, you know, that's that's important and that's profound. Is we have, you know, all these black people, man, walking around with all this. This, decomp- this this trauma that hasn't been decompressed, that they haven't been able to unload. Because, you know, like when we look at, when we talk about therapy and when we talk about, you know, psychiatry, we, we view that as a white thing. You know what I'm saying? Quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's something mm-hmm. white people do. White people go to the psychiatrist. White people go to therapy. Yeah. Niggas, we just yeah. deal with our shit. You know what I'm saying? That, that's why, mm-hmm. we, you know, we strong when we do that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. those things have, you know, they have an effect, man. Like, they have an effect on the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see each other, and the way that we see our children. Like, that's something yeah. I talked about. And this was something that I diagnosed, you know, early on, like, with my mother. Like, my mother, she didn't really have this sense of seeing seeing us as her children as successors like the, the way mm-hmm. she would talk it was like we were her contemporaries and that was it and that's something that i've seen um you know like a lot of with just in you know within black society like when it comes to you know when it comes to parents and stuff like that like mm-hmm. we don't see it as we should decrease and our children should increase you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. we see them as our contemporaries we want to get them out the house as soon as we can and then so we can just go on doing our thing you know what I'm saying? Like, we view them right. as inter- interrupting our lives. And that's mm-hmm. one thing they're, we can't do. But you know what? It's earning. something that, right, there's something I, I wanted to I wanted to touch on, too, that Cynthia brought up, which was a good which was a good um, topic, how that a lot of these women, I'm not going to say it, let me stop saying a lot, but some of these women will, they'll bring a man in the home to, like, to, like, be that father figure to exert control over the, over the children. And 
you know, like that right there can it can go either way. Like that's a toss up. It all depends on the time she's been knowing the man, how involved they are. Is he a good man, and can he handle? Um, you know, the psychology of dealing with that because one thing, right. right, but because check this out. One thing I remember on like the other day when I was on BGS panel, Kenya, I remember I told him, mm-hmm. I, he said, well, when are you going to have brothers? For, he said, when are you going to have empathy for brothers? I said, well, when are you going to have empathy for sisters? And he's going to tell, gonna tell mm-hmm. everybody, hold on, y'all mute our, y'all, y'all mute our mic, y'all mute our mic. Then he's going to talk about these bitches. That's the way he started it off. That's the way he started his dissertation. He was wow. like, these wow. bitches. I remember in the 80s when I was marrying these single mothers, you know what I'm saying? And so what that conveyed to me was that you have men out here who, who will take a woman on with who already has a child and they'll view it as if they're doing a favor for the woman. Right. And when you have that exactly. position, when you approach it from that aspect, you're not going to approach it with a clean heart. You're going to, yeah. su- even subconsciously, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to put a difference on that child. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're going to put a difference on that child. Mm-hmm. But see, that's you have what a lot of men doing. who do that. My mm-hmm. aunt was doing that and she displayed that need. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of sisters come off needy, mm-hmm. and these men see it. These predators. I'm gonna call them predators because that's what they are. They're predators to these people, to these children, and to the mothers. <clears throat> and you'll have a rotation going on, a revolving door. Okay. So now all your children see is okay. Well, here's Dick today, and then here's Harry next week. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it goes exactly. through this whole cycle of okay. Well, I'm no longer gonna deal with this guy. Let me go to this guy. And you can't do that. You can't have your children seeing different guys going mm-hmm. in and out their house, and and men. They can't have different women going in and out their lives because it sends a different message to these children, especially when right. you're allowing these men, these predator men, to beat on your kids to do things they're not supposed to be doing, especially if you don't have any time invested in that. You understand what I'm talking about? There's a difference between, you know, a father figure and raising the children the way they should be, and then there's a difference with someone just being in there outright abusive because they want to control every doggone thing. You know what I'm saying? Because they have issues, and it it just, Mm -hmm. just goes back to not dealing with past traumas. You have to deal with your past mm-hmm. traumas, but you can't deal with something that you don't even recognize, right? Because there's exactly. no real positive teachings out here to help you mm-hmm. recognize it. You understand what right. I'm saying? So the children suffer. Children suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, they become burdens, like you said earlier. They become burdens, right. and and you know, like you said, I, I want you. I can't wait till you turn 18. Mm-hmm. Why are you taking your kids out of 18? They don't know shit at that age anyway. Right. They don't have themselves together. Right. You know what I'm saying? You got right. all these other cultures got their kids in there to at least 25, but they went to they're right. going to college, they're getting on their feet, and they're getting their own place. And even after that, mm-hmm. they still support their children. You know what I'm saying? Right. They still support their children. Right. So right. it's, it's still an investment help. that you have to have in your children. You just can't say, "Oh, I'm gonna cut it off at 18." That's not how it works. And that's right. how that vicious cycle begins. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's that. Uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. Cause I'm, I'm, I have something I want to read. I want to read on that, like about how we view our own children. Um, but I don't, I don't want to put the car before the horse before I get into that. But I, I do appreciate your call, Cookie. No problem. All right, thank you. We got another caller, caller six three zero. I'm bringing you on. Yeah, caller. Hey, can you guys hear me? Hey, this Remy. Hello. Hey, yes, this is Remy. Uh, I remember hey, your Remy. voice. How you doing? 
Hi, I'm doing good. How are you two? Good. We're doing good. I'm doing good. I can't speak for both of us, but I'm doing good. <laughs> okay, well, how are you doing, Kenya? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thank you. <laughs> That's good. Um, well, I wanted to chime in. Um, my, I would say me chiming in is personal. So I okay. can definitely give like a like an inside view into you know toxic motherhood. Um, with right. my mother, um, she, I would say, to sum it up, I would describe her in psychological form as a narcissist. So that's what she was. Mm-hmm. Um, funny thing is, I always tell myself that when I think about it, you know, I never really knew my mother on a personal level. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, spending 17 years with somebody, with a stranger, basically. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know her childhood. You know, I didn't know, like, a lot about her. So, you know, it was pretty much a very strange relationship. Um, I would say she didn't raise me. I think she tolerated me. Right. You know, until, wow. you know, I I no longer took it. So, you know, I moved out when I was 17. Like, as soon as I got a chance, I was gone. So, yeah. Um, and you know what? That's the experience of a lot of our, a lot of our girls within our communities they 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 leave home early they right. they leave home at a at a young age because you know because the home environment that they have with their you know with their mother is so toxic oh yeah mm-hmm. exactly and you know so you know my father he died when i was two so i can't really mm-hmm. give like you know a okay this is my side view can i blame my father for you know whatever my mother's going through no so i was just you know sum it up um, my mother, she has six children. Um, I'm the oldest, and it's so she had five girls and one boy. Mm. So I was, I always got the brunt of, of, I would say, the anger that she had. I really, as a kid, as a little girl, you know, I really didn't think of it too much because I'm like, okay, mom's just angry, you know, things like that. But as I started to get older, you know, it was just some things that I noticed that, you know, she would, you know, say the most horrible things to me. You know, she would make fun of my skin color. She would, Mm. you know, make fun of my size. Um, She would say things like, you know, if your father was here, he would whoop your, you know what, because you're so disrespectful. I don't think I was disrespectful. I was more of the, the child who always asked the questions. I always wanted to know why are you this way? Why are you treating me, you know, this type of way for no reasons at all? And it was like every time, like, you know, every situation I had in my life, I always felt like it was her fault because I'm, I'm, and I'm put in situations that I have to fight off men who are trying to, you know, mm-hmm. do things I'm supposed to do. I even had a woman one time because I was visiting my grandmother and I hated going to her mm-hmm. house because my grandmother lived the project. So, yeah, right. my mom, she always, every time she got a chance to get rid, rid of me and my sister, she always, you know, took that chance. So I even had a woman right. try to snatch me in her house one time. And wow. I was like, right. And it, it was just so scary. I think I was like 10 years old. But anyway, yeah, it was basically, I'm just like, why is it every time I look up, I'm in a situation where I have to fight for my safety? And, oh, right. 
the, only, the person who's causing the problems is this is my own mother. And, you mm. know, that was me as a kid. But as I, you know, started growing up, teenage years, mm. that's like the worst moment, I would say, for me and her because, you know, I started to see things. I started to, you know, I started to act as her, you know, hood rat behavior. But it it never was it never was me, you know. It wasn't who I was. But I only wanted to do that to make my mother like me. So I always told myself, you know what? If I act as bad as she does, if I, you know, um, you know, just be a juvenile delinquent, she'll like me more, and she did. But. As soon as I started to, you know, be like, you know what, this is not right. You know, this is not right. This is not who I am. I started to, you right. know, get back, into, get back into the school life, you know, doing good, not, you know, really hanging out with too many people, doing good. That's when, you know, it turned for the work. Now, you know, the right. real, you know, person came out. And, you know, right. basically she's just like, you know, you think you're better than everybody, and, you know, mm. you're not going to college, you're not going to be nothing. It, it, it's just, you know, a right. lot. But, I mean, what I will say is, is that, unfortunately, when you have relationships with narcissistic people, they have a lot of flying monkeys around them willing to do their dirty work, one, and two, anytime right. you try to tell them about your experience, they won't believe you. Yeah. Right. And there right. and there is a lot of girls out here who suffer from that. And it's a shame that our own community, especially in a black community, because I can care less about anybody else, but within our community, you as a person should be able to tell your story. And if you tell it in a format where nobody agrees with it, now you're public enemy number one. Right. So to my family, right. I'm enemy number one with everybody. Because they like, okay, well, your mother was a good mother. Yeah, in, in your eyes. But you haven't spent every waking moment for 17 years with this person. See, I know who the person right. really is. You only know this for like a couple of hours. Right. And, you know, right. it, it's a shame. And I know there's a lot of women out there that, you know, can definitely agree to what I'm saying. Is that a lot of girls, they do go through this. And it's a shame that right. we have to basically... We can't talk about it because we're going to be ostracized. Um, right. We can't talk about it because we're public enemy number one, and it's a shame. And mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. with that experience with my own mother, I don't have no female friends. I can't trust women. I have a very hard time trusting any mm-hmm. type of woman in my life. Because I always tell myself, if I can't trust the person who gave birth to me, how can I trust anybody else? Mm. So that's, that's, that's the damage. That's, that's a profound damage. statement right there. Exactly. Right. It's, that's, it, that's, it, that's the first person we trust. And if you can't trust your right. own mother, who are you going to trust? Mm. Yeah, that's, man, that's powerful. That's a powerful statement. Um, But, you know, I appreciate you. I appreciate your call, Remy. I appreciate you tuning in. No, no problem. You guys have a good Thank night. You. All right, you too. All right, Kenya, um, call it eight one three. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna bring you on in a second. Uh, I just want to get some of Kenya, Kenya's thoughts on the topic. Um, what, what, what's some of your thoughts on it, Kenya? Well, I think when we're talking about toxic motherhood, you have to talk about the mothers who are thwarting the relationship between the children and the father, or preventing mm-hmm. um, custody, or using. Right. Uh, Gangs of visitation, 
and things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, I honestly don't think that as many women are doing that as are accused right. of doing that. But there are some right. mothers who are definitely doing that. There are some mothers who will tell a child, you know, you're not anything, your father wasn't anything, you know, and right. that kind of behavior, that's definitely toxic and has a, a horrible effect on the children. Um, but I, 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 again, have to say, I, I really don't think that as many women are doing it as are accused of doing it because I, I hear almost, well, not a really large percentage of the men I have heard talk about their baby mama or ex-wife have said things like, the main thing I hear is that the woman is poisoning the children against the father. Now, for the women who are doing that, that's extremely toxic. You are hurting your child much more than you think you're hurting the man because your child is the one in the formative years and, Mm -hmm. you know, the man has oftentimes already, you know, kicked rocks. But... Right. But what I do say is if a man is faced with a toxic situation where the woman is, is coming in between him and his relationship with his children, then I need to, to tell them that, you know, you do need to take her to court. And, and again, a lot of dudes will say, well, the courts are geared towards the woman or whatever. So what does that mean? You don't even try? You just give up on your children, just leave them there. If you really honestly believe that woman is toxic, then you have to do whatever it calls for you to do. If you have to Mm -hmm. miss a day of work, if you have to miss multiple days of work, if you have to go in there to the courthouse, if you have to fill out a pauper's affidavit, whatever you have to do, Mm -hmm. if you need to get help with the, the, um, the fees, that's what the pauper's affidavit is for. You know what I'm saying? You, there are ways to do it you know it's a lot of times when you ask guys what have they done and they're like well it's not going to work anyway so your answer is nothing their answer is you haven't done anything because you're already accepting defeat when your children's lives are on the line you know if the woman is toxic then you have to try to take her to court and you know what I'm saying Keep, keep good records you know what I'm saying prove your case you know you have to do what you have to do you know when, right. when a woman is faced with a situation with a toxic father, the first thing they say to her is, well, you chose her. But they never say, I mm-hmm. chose her. She's only doing what I allow and that kind of stuff. They don't say that. But if the woman is toxic, <laughs> right. then, you know, the, another thing that, that they need to do, if, the, if you think that a woman is poisoning your children against you, that is not the time to scurry away and say, man, forget her. She's crazy. That is the time to make your presence known all the more in those children's lives. They need to experience you as a father because at some point, those children will grow up and and realize, hey, what I'm being told about him is not matching up with my experiences of him. You know, and then it won't matter what she Mm -hmm. said because he will be exposed as being a liar because of, you know, the father that you've been to them and it might take some time for it to get to that point but whether you are in their lives or not that time is still going to elapse so you might as well elapse let that time elapse with you in their lives you don't just give up and walk away say the woman is toxic and forget it you know so you you can't throw your children away like that 
Right. If the woman is dangerous, you gotta fight for your children. You do, and she's dangerous and toxic. Then you need to work on limiting her contact with them. And if you can't limit her contact, then you definitely need to increase your contact. Right. Um. You know what? I want to read this. Okay. And it's called it's a it's an article, and it's called the accidental toxicity of black motherhood. Um, and I'm just going to read two brief things. Um, it says, according to Dr. Philip Atiba, children in most societies are considered to be a distinct group with characteristics such as innocence and the need for protection. But a study conducted in 2014 by Dr. Atiba and Dr. Matthew Jackson of UCLA found that black boys are deemed as less innocent and childlike than non-black boys starting at age 10. A similar study by Georgetown found that black girls are considered less innocent starting at age five. Dehumanization and denial of childhood innocence is waiting for black children in mass outside the home. It should not exist within it. In my personal experiences, I have witnessed black children receive similar threats for other, for other very childlike things like dirtying their clothing, running, being loud, and making messes. This is not okay and should not be normalized, much less by black parents nor taught to black children as a standard of parenthood. Um, now, this, now, this is something else he, he diagnosed. And, and that what he was referencing was, you know, the threats that we tend to give to our children, you know, when they're misbehaving or when they do things that ch- that's normal for children to do. That's what he was referencing, mm-hmm. you know, in, um, in, in that p- part. But here's something else he says. Another example he gives is, you better shut up before I give you something to cry about. And I know we all heard that. Then he, mm-hmm. then he goes on to, to explain. He says, denial of black pain and the right of black people to valid emotions is as American as apple pie. Much of modern medical science was researched without consent on black slaves. The Tuskegee experiments and the medical advances from the stolen cells of Henrietta Lacks come to the forefront mm-hmm. of my mind. The father of modern gynecology, J. Marion Sims, notoriously conducted mm-hmm. experiments on African slave women without anesthetics because it was widely believed and scientific, scientifically accepted that black people do not experience pain in the same way that white people experience pain. Racial bias and pain perception is an issue that exists to this day. According to a study by Kelly Hoffman, a UVA psychology PhD candidate who led a study on this bias in 2014. Many previous studies have shown that black Americans are undertreated for pain compared to white Americans because physicians might assume black patients might abuse the medications or because they might not recognize the pain of their black patients in the first place. Um, our findings show that beliefs about black-white differences in biology may contribute to this disparity. Black people are literally dying because they lack of recognition and acknowledgement of our pain. Mental health issues in the black community are also largely ignored and seen as a sign of weakness for this very same issue. Black children have a right to be hurt and to express their hurt. Threats of violence are not conducive to teaching proper coping skills for pain and disappointment. This form of medical racism should not exist in black homes, even if it's on a much smaller scale. 
man, that was powerful right there. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that is so like that is so true. Those things that he that that doctor, you know, outlined with with what you know with our, with our behaviors as parents, not only mothers but you know fathers too. Like these things have been normalized, and much of the way we you know we um, conceptualize our child rearment and our child discipline harkens back to the plantation. It harkens back to those things. Like we'll make fun of how you know, a, a, a white parent or a white mother will, will will sit their child down in time out. You know, we see comedi- comedians make, make jokes about that all the time. Like, Johnny, go to your little quiet space in the corner, you know what I'm saying? And then we'll go on and talk about how our mother will, how our mother will, you know, pick up the closest thing to him and hit us with it. That is abusive. That is abuse. You know what I'm saying? That is That is abuse, man. I remember one time I was young, man. I was like 11 or 12, and my mother did that to me. Like, she hit me in the head with a, <laughs> with like a can, like mm-hmm. a can good or something, you know, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, those things, like, it's no, those things become normalized, but those things aren't okay. Like, we got to realize that, man. We got to, mm-hmm. we have to break these these patterns and these cycles if we want to be better as a people. Okay, caller 813, I'm bringing you on. Yeah, caller? Hello? Caller, caller eight one three. You're on the line. Okay, I don't know what's going on with that. Okay, I hear you now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you. Okay. Um. Yes, Pete. Um. I was listening to your show, and um, I didn't catch the first half. So, if I bring up anything like you know that you covered already, then forgive me on that. Um, okay, but uh, I mean, one thing I would want to bring up—well, two things. Um, you know, I've dated a lot of single mothers. You know, I'm a single father myself, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I think one thing I was listening to Remy, the uh, caller who called in previously, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what she described a lot of—I heard from a lot of women that I spoke to. You know, um, and I think just in my experience, and even just hearing from women as a whole. One thing you don't realize is that you have a lot of people who, based on the circumstances by which their kids are conceived, a lot of them, like, resent their kids, you know, they don't like them, you know, I mean, right. it sounds messed up to say it that way, but, you know, um, and and that's why I have an issue with people promote certain narratives, right, like, all kids right. are blessings, you know, all circumstances is just the best, you know, and, in, in, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad because you see type of pain it causes a lot of people and what's even more frustrating you know you're looking for a mate is when you see people who they seem to have all the pieces but they're just missing like that critical piece of themselves that they would have gotten had they had the right childhood but because they don't have that you find that you kind of have to walk away from them and then it makes you feel kind of awful because you're like you know if they just had that critical piece that you can't give them or you can't heal within them, then you might have been able to move forward with them. And I, I found myself in a situation more than a few times um, dating, mm. um, you know, specifically with, with black women. And, you know, that's no indictment of them as a whole. But I think a lot of times what we need to do is, is in the process of healing, you know, we can't always shift the narrative away from where the issue lies. So when we talk mm. about, you know, um, you know, women having issues with, like, trust and all these other issues. Like, Remy kind of, you know, went in an honest direction about what a mother did to her, you know. And a lot of situations I've seen, whenever women may have those types of complaints, it sort of always gets shifted on the male. And right. to bring up what Kenya mentioned, 
a lot of that has to do with, you know, and I'll be honest with it because I've seen it happen with a lot of guys too, is, is, you know, they take this defeatist approach, you know, when it comes to dealing with their children and custody and the court system and all that, and then, you know, they just sort of let the chips fall where they, you know, where they may. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they'll say, oh, well, you know, the, the mother made it difficult, or the mother did this, or the mother did that. And, you know, the court system exists in a place where both parties can take advantage of it. And, yes, you have biased judges, you have biased people, in, you know, in these circumstances. But, you know, you can't be the type of guy that's willing to, you know, go fist to cuff, you know, to, like, protect mm-hmm. your daughter against, like, some predator on the street. But then when it comes to filing some paperwork, which really... You know, a lot of it, that's all it is, right? Filing paperwork, going to yeah. a meeting, you know, missing work and then having to go to a mediation or something like that. You know, because I went yeah. through that myself. And I think one of the main things that made a difference between me and a lot of other guys that I knew was that, you know, I didn't have a problem doing that. You know, I went to the mediation. You know, I went to the court appointments. You know, mm-hmm. I met with the, you know, the social worker. I mean, it was all BS, you know. And then at the end of the day, when we in front of the judge, you know, the, the judge basically said, hey, you know, were there any, are there any issues, you know, is the child doing bad in school? Do they have any emotional issues that need to be addressed? And the answers were no all across the board. So we didn't even get to the stage where I had to, like, sort of fight for it. But just the fact that I showed up and I did what was supposed to be done, we addressed a lot of those issues. And mm-hmm. the plus side to that, too, was, was that a lot of those issues sort of went away. Because I think once, you know, uh, my ex-wife realized that, you know, it, was uphill battles, it wasn't going to be as easy as just, you know, sort of pushing me over, then I think, you know, she sort of subsided with a lot of that type of stuff because we had, like, a bit of a bad, you know, divorce and everything. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, we really have to address a lot of those issues. Like, a lot of those issues, they have to be fleshed out, they have to be put on the table, and then they have to be addressed, like, piece by piece so that you can understand where people come from. And how to solve those problems, right. man, you know what I mean, you know, and I would tell you brothers, man, you know, you, it, it, I, I know, you know, and, and you know, you go from loving someone, hating them, it's a hard thing, you know, it, 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 you try not to hate, you try not to do all the other things, but when it comes to your children, mm-hmm. they are, um, I don't know what the right term, but they're like, they're like involuntarily, they're involuntary, impartial participators, you know what I'm saying? Like they're mm-hmm. right in the middle but they can't take a side on, on any any particular situation. Like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the mother did to the father, like the kid doesn't have anything to do with that. You know what I mean? So right, even right. if they're getting turned against you, you have to be careful not to turn your own anger towards them based on what mm-hmm. they're being used to do towards you, you know? So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, I mean all of that. And you you know, it and, and you know, like you said, it has to do a lot with healing you have to like you you have to talk about it you have to speak to your kids you have to do i mean that's a 24-hour job man you can't you can't walk away from that as men and as, and you can't mm. leave women to bear the emotional responsibility on their own because you know we already have an issue where women don't want to admit that they're weak especially our women and a lot of women feel mm. that pressure they crack and then i mean who else is going to get it's like you say, it goes back to the slave plantation, right? You know, you, the closest you are to the master, you're gonna feel the sting of his anger, his frustration, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and all that. And then you're automatically gonna be looked at as, you know, a problem. You know, even though they may love you, you know, you're automatically gonna be looked mm-hmm. at as, an, as a negative. And that's why you notice that, you know, like as soon as you turn 18, you know, uh, you know, why are you still here? You know, you need to get out the house. You, know, you need to find your own place. You need to do that, even though nothing was even set up for you to do that. Because, 
You know, you weren't set up with a, a college fund. You know, you don't have a savings account with money in it to buy yourself a car. You know, you have to go to college. And as soon as you go to college, you got to find a job. And then work full time and go to college at the same time. And then when you fail, because a lot of people don't have the support system to stay in college and do those type of things, you come back. Oh, I see, I knew you could make it because, you know, like kind of what Remy described, you know, it's, it's a lot of them, you know. And you right. gotta you gotta address it as a group, as men and women. Right. Right. Yeah, you, yeah. you know, you're, you're absolutely right, and um, I, I appreciate I appreciate your call because you did bring a lot of um insight in, into those those particular things that um you know that Kenya was talking about, especially like when we talk about you know this 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 co- this culture of custody battle that we have going on within our community and within our social spaces. So I appreciate your call. Yeah. All right, we have another Thank caller, caller two two four. I'm gonna bring you on in a second, but um, you know, one thing I do want to touch on too is is this thing where you have some mothers who speak curses on their children, and that's one mm-hmm. thing that you know that we have to be cognizant of, and that sisters have to be cognizant of is, mm-hmm. you know, you don't speak you don't speak curses on your children. You speak blessings on your yeah. children. You should never tell your children what they what they aren't gonna be. And what they right. can't do, and who right. they're and who they're just like within a negative connotation. Those mm-hmm. are those are things that are highly damaging to the child's psyche, and that will serve as an inhibitor of them finding that innate sense of greatness, especially for black boys. Like I, you know, I'm going to have to keep going back to that because as I've as I've diagnosed the problem, um, the issue is with the men, and so we have to realize that. And so because and so because we realize that, it's going to take us being focused more so not 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 entirely more so focused, but you know, giving a little bit more attention to the ways that these things harm the brothers. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because the issue is mm-hmm. with the men, and so it's going to start with the men. But that mm-hmm. is one thing that you know that sisters have to understand because unfortunately, uh, we live in a culture where the most negative negative things about black men are are what is you know prevalent and what is perpetuated and cycled and so you do have mm-hmm. an echo chamber uh that exists that inculcates within black boys this sense of inadequacy and inferiority as men and this is something i talk about all the time now see i talk about the issues that exist with brothers in a very objective way and in a very way that is not I don't personalize it. I don't approach it from from that aspect because also what it requires too is for us as men to be honest about, you know, our condition and to face the mm-hmm. truth about ourselves. That takes a certain level of of character to acknowledge that. You see what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. um, you know, that's something that is vitally important. Uh call it 224. I'm bringing you on right now uh so you can make your comment. Yeah, caller. Hello. Hey. Hello, I can hear you. Hi, Mary. Hello, Kim. Hey, how you doing? Hello. This is this is Adrian from Illinois. Hello, Adrian. How you doing, Adrian? How are you? I'm fine. Uh, I'd like to make a couple comments. Uh, first of all, I'd like to okay. say that, uh, you know. I think there's a a dangerous trend going on on social media as far as uh, single mothers are concerned. Mm-hmm. And it seems that uh, single mothers are being, you know, synonymous with uh, ratchetness. ratchetness. Yeah, and right. Also, you know, 
And mm-hmm. I think that's unfortunate because it's, it's not a, a, a accurate portrayal of single mothers. Right. When mm-hmm. single mothers right. are across the board, across all statuses, you know, economic, you know, right. educational, mm-hmm. you know. Right. And another thing that I see uh, on social media in this effort to try to um, demonize single mothers is that, you know, a lot of these guys will, they will uh, make videos, you know, mm-hmm. like as proof or confirmation that, that all single mothers are, are, you know, doing things that are damaging to their kids, you know. But, right. You know, the the videos seem to be, you know, um, you know, just a, a ditch effort to to um, make the mothers look bad so that these fathers who are paying child support and don't want to do that, you know, so they're, they're mm. devising these schemes to catch mothers like in bad light so that they can use that as evidence against them, mm-hmm. you know. And and what we're not seeing on those videos is, is the things that have happened outside of that video They that may have an effect on the way the single mother is acting. Yeah, that's right. You know, and right. um, and and I'd like to uh, you know, say something about uh, a conversation I overheard with a, a mm-hmm. young boy about eleven or twelve years old, and his father. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the little, the the man was asking the little boy, uh, "Don't you want to come to live with me? You want to come to live with me?" And the boy was saying, no, I want to stay with my mother. And he said, but your mother owed me a lot of money. You need to come and stay with me because I could have more and I could have a car and I could have, well, he said a better car. I could have a better car and I could have things that I need. You need to stay with me so that your mother can pay me child support. Mm. Wow. And wow, I, you know boy, what? I, I, little, I believe that. Yeah. The little boy was so defeated, he was so hurt because his father had mm. basically said to him that he would have rather spent that money on anything else but helping provide for him. Yeah. Right. And that he felt right. like any child support that he had given, that he needed to recoup that. He needed to get that back from right. that mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so you do I have this sense of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to say that because, you know, like I said, it's a dangerous trend going on on social media where so many men are now interested in getting their children from the mother simply because they have to pay child support. And they are are, are deliberately deliberately going out of their way to to show single mothers in, in a light of of all single mothers being, you know, ratchet and ghetto and this and the other. And that hasn't been my experience, you know. Even with a lot of the mothers at the lower levels, as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, the middle class levels, you know, I don't see Mm -hmm. a lot of things that that women are being accused of doing, you know, Mm -hmm. mistreating their kids, verbally and mental abuse. I don't see a lot of that because the, the reality of it is that the mothers really don't have to say anything about the problem. The fathers yeah. show their true colors to the children, and in you, you know, mm-hmm. the children are not robots. They have, they think, you know, they 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 perceive the things that are going on around them. 
So, right. you know, like Kenya, uh, you know, uh, made reference to, you know, whether you are a good father or a bad father, the mother doesn't have to say anything about that because the children will know. They will know right. in, the, in their interaction with their father. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Children aren't children aren't um, aren't stupid because you do have some men who, you know, who say that, the, you know, the mother is turning, turning um, the children against them when really it's their behavior. Because I can tell you that the children are going to see the way that you and you interact with the mother. And if they see you cussing the mother out, treating the mother a certain type of way, then they're going to internalize that. And you're going to be the villain. Like you're you're casting yourself as the villain. The mother doesn't have to say anything if if that is the behavior. Like if they see you engaging in that behavior, see because children have this innate um, affinity for their mother. Like that's something that 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 goes back to, um, you know, to 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 how the child was formed and was developed. There's a certain level of um, telepathy there. You know what I'm saying? There's a certain level of telepathy there, and that's why I say that the mother is the first communicator to the child. You see what I'm saying? And so as men, we have to understand that. We have to realize that. Like, like, like you have brothers who have so much animus and vitriol for the, for their, um, their children's mother that they they don't want to pay child support. They don't want the women to get welfare or any type of assistance, just so the just so the women can have a hard time. But common sense to tell you that if the woman if the woman has a hard time, the children are going to have a hard time. You see what I'm saying? So th- that's how deep and how profound that disconnect is. That that exists, and that's something that you said. That's also true, Miss Adrian. That you have a lot of men now because child support. That now they want they want custody of their children. You know what I'm saying? Because child support, you know, it, it's been getting after them. Child support been tearing them up, man. You know, so that's part of it too. But um, but um, I appreciate your call. And I appreciate the push you brought up. They also think mm-hmm. that if they have custody of the children, see, when you're not the one that's raising the children, it it looks easy to you. Right. And, but they think that if they have custody of the children, right. that they will have all these perceived uh, benefits, and that that their life will be so much, uh, you know, easier, and 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 they will be able to live better. But mm-hmm. anybody who has raised children know that when you raise children on a day-to-day basis and not a part-time parent, that mm-hmm. it is much more expensive in 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 finances, in your time and energy. And and across the board, mm-hmm. you, you know, so, you know, all of these perceived advantages, they think that single mothers have over, you know, a single man who has all his time and energy to pursue whatever mm-hmm. he wanted to pursue, you know, right. and, and to be a part-time parent. And, and that go for the, 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 the single fathers as well that are raising children, right. you know. Those mothers, mm-hmm. they they have no idea if they're not raising those children how much is actually go into raising a child. Right, right. It is. It's a. It's a. It's um. It's a heavy lift, man. Especially within today's society. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a heavy lift. So that's that's all I wanted to say on the subject. Okay. All right. I appreciate your call. We appreciate you calling up. Thank you so no, much for okay. calling. All right. We got. We got another caller. Um, caller six three one. I'm bringing you on. Yeah, yeah. Hello. How you doing? Hello. Hey, how you doing? Hello. Hello. All right. Hello. I appreciate the show. Um, I appreciate everybody. Uh, that's my son in the background calling in and um, sharing <laughs> okay. their experiences. I wanted to do the same. Um, okay. I'm a I'm a single mother. I have three children. 
Um, mm-hmm. My oldest daughter, is, um, she's nine. I have two babies, one and a half, and um, an eight-month-old. Um, I'm also okay. just like um, a previous caller. Um, um, my mother, my experience is very similar as far as, um, that's, you know, the way my mother was, um, as far as, um, uh, uh, um, some, I forget who made the comment about not having different men come into the household because that brings in, uh, you know, a whole bunch of problems. She said she had to fight, you know, very, very similar. And it's all, you know, stems from, like you said, the you know, from the reading that you read from the slavery mentality that right. we have to, you know, stop beating our children. It does not work. You right. know, it's out of frustration, right. it's out of anger, and we perpetuate the same cycle. So when I became a mother myself, um, and it, it definitely is an issue because it's, it's so many different aspects that tie into it. First of all, we got to heal right. from our past traumas as you know, children, right. so that we don't pick the wrong partner to procreate with in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's number one. Right. And then when we start having children at a young age, our 20s and, you know, early in the nat in our teens, when, you know, we're not mentally, you know, there to, you know, hear those traumas, you know, by that time, it's, you know, it's too late. We already had the children and, you know, that's where these issues come from. So, you know, that, that's right. number one. So, you know, we do, we all have to take that responsibility not to, you know, make sure that we know who we're who having children with, you know, because how the ch- children, they need their mother, they need their father, period. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So being a single mother, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, well, my, it's better with my oldest daughter as far as, you know, her father mm-hmm. around, you know, he matured and grew and stepped up into, you know, being that a good father for her. So I'm thankful for that. Um with the, you know, being a single mother, it's not so much that you um, you don't realize what you're doing, but when you're under so much stress and you're so much, it's so mm. much pressure. Sometimes it's you have yeah, it's a it's a constant daily struggle not to fall into those things that you know aren't right, not to be to right. out of anger, to do things on the weekends, you know, even though you're tired, you know, because you know, especially mm-hmm. you know throughout. You know, me raising my children, I was in school um, full-time, I worked full-time, and then a full-time mother. So with all those, you know, with those things, you know, all up in one thing, it's very stressful. So when you don't have a partner there to, you know, help you out with those things, you know, it it, it leads into a toxic situation sometimes. And, you know, not saying that, you know... I have been the perfect mother, you know, because we all can, you know, do improvements. But, yeah, there's certain, right. you know, times to where I definitely had to step back and, you know, take a breather because, yeah, it could lead me to saying those phrases that we all need. Oh, just leave me alone for a second. Even though we don't need it, just, you know, you're under, you know, that pressure. And I think that we as a people right. need to stop that game, like how you were saying, you know, comparing, you know, you know, being afraid of getting our quote-unquote black card taken away because we haven't shared, right. you know, certain experiences. Oh, my mother never hit me in the head with a pain. Like, that. That that is a thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, we like to play a game out of, out of it sometimes, you know, to, you know, mm-hmm. see who had the worst childhood. But that that that's trauma, and that's, that's going to be effective. We're going to mm-hmm. pass it on to our children, and that's what I don't, exactly. you know, want to do. And also, it is very unhealthy, especially as a single parent, 
to have your children around you 24-7 all the time. You, you, you know, even though you love them and you want to take it, that's an unhealthy relationship in itself. You know, the, right. you know when you're the only one there, and yeah, sometimes they go to school, but, you know, that, I mean, I have my own separate reservations about, you know, the education system and what it's doing to our children. But, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times you just send them there for a babysitter. You know what I'm saying? Because we right. have to go to work and, and things like that. So it, it, we have to, um, it, 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 we just really have to, you know, pick apart different things and realize that, okay, this is unhealthy. It's not the way to go. And we all have to take, you know, responsibility for, you know, what it is that we do. Yeah, like a lot of it is, you know, these fathers, they don't step up and they don't want to pay their child support. You know, that's true too. But we also, um, like I said earlier, we just have to take more responsibility of who we're having children with. And once we do, um, just really realize that, you know, despite what the other parent chooses to do, it's our responsibility to break out of that cycle and to raise these children, you know, the right way so that they don't perpetuate the cycle. Because especially now, like the last call I mentioned, social media is terrible. The way, you know, that it's programming our children to be egocentric mm-hmm. and self-centered and, you know, it, it's going to make the situation, you know, all that, you know, the worst. So, um, right. yeah. It, it's but you know what? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me, um, let me ask you this because, um, you know, you mentioned that you're a single mother and I appreciate your call and I appreciate your candor. Um, what, like, what goes through your mind when you hear um, the discourse about single mothers and, the opinions of of men like um, Tommy Sotomayor and Jason Black and Minister Jap among us, among others. Like, how do you feel about that? Are you familiar with those guys? Um, I'm not too no, I'm not too familiar as far as their opinion about single mothers. <clears throat> like what? Like what's the just? Like what's the? Well, this, well, I just get the gist of their opinion is. Um, Sing, single mothers are the reason it's so hot outside. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like the way they look, their entire yeah, worldview is that it's, single it's, mothers it's, are the are the vein of our problems. Yeah, it's it's the outside looking in. Yeah, they see us as mm. angry. Yeah, they see us as flush. That's because we are. It's a it's a flush, mm. and that is not saying that we do not love our children. We love our children. Right. We want to make sure, but it is it is very difficult to. I mean, imagine the stress of knowing that you are responsible for however many, you know, lives you have to be there so provider financially. You can't always depend on the father or some other outside source. You know, the government wants you living below poverty for even a little bit of assistance. You know what I'm saying? I've been working every single day since I was 14, and I, I can't get right. a dollar worth of food stamps. They're saying I make too much money, you know, and it's not so much that I want right. to, you know, lean on those services. Sometimes you do need a little bit of assistance. But, yeah, that that is, I mean, it, it's because that's what it is, but you're not. they're not going underneath and seeing why it is like that. You know, we need right. support, it, you know, assistance especially. You know what I'm saying? It just seems like we don't have that support, you know, out there. It's like our brothers, you know, we're good enough to lay with and have children, mm-hmm. but why does it seem like, you know, to make a life and to get married, we got to, you know, look or behave right. a certain way. We're strong, we're, we're strong, period. That's in us. But when we're, you know, um, we feel that 
if we show any sign of weakness or breaking down, then that's the problem. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, where do you go from there? You know, when you feel right. like you're not supported and you feel like you can't break down, it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of weight, you know, to hold on, you know, with you. And a lot of times, it's, you know, your children that keeps you going, you know, every single day, mm-hmm. you know, to not break down. But, you know, we do need support. You know, and right. this is not, you know, there there are some women out there who just, you know, and I see, see this trend of having babies with guys that seem like they have a lot of money. Like, it, 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 it's just a mess. It's, it, when I think about it, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't even. But, um, yeah, we, we we need more support. That I mean, that that's right. all that it is. Whether, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the father or, you know, anything right. that or money, but somebody to step up, you know, just to say, okay, yeah, I got this for you, you know, for a little bit. Let me help mm-hmm. you, you know, with this, because then maybe there's a perception that we don't need help because we we do make it look, you know, easy a lot of the times. But, yeah, you know, right. we're doing it because we have to. We need to. Right. Nothing that we don't want to, but it's definitely... Um, there is, you know, a lot of times these fathers, they have a choice to say, well, I'll see what I can do. We don't have that uh, luxury yeah. of saying that mama yeah. has to make it happen, you know, period, or else, you know, things are going to go down the drain. So, yeah, right. it, 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 that psychological pressure all the time, you know, a lot of people think that we're bipolar or that we have multiple personalities. No, that's, that's stress and pressure. Stress can do a lot mm-hmm. of things to you psychologically. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that at all. It's just that, you know, we need assistance. And we're not always so easy to, you know, ask for that. Because a lot of times, too, back in our childhood, asking for help was like a, a sign of weakness. Like, oh, yeah, you strong right. black woman. You should be able to do this, this, and that. And, yeah, I am. But that doesn't mean that I need help or that, you know, I should be compared to somebody else that has way more support and a different upbringing than I did. So, right. yeah, we, you know, oh, yeah, we, we, children, we, we you got to do call. better. Thank you. Right. Yeah, yeah, appreciate you calling. Appreciate you listening. Um, you know, and and she's and she's right because you know one thing we have to realize and understand, and this is something because you know Kenya, um, I've mm-hmm. been going back all week with with BGS from Manosphere, and I've been mm-hmm. challenging this you know this this is this assertion that is um, you know prevalent and highly popular, and that is that you know, uh, welfare took, welfare took the men out the home and black women chose the government over, you know, over, over black men, you know, and all these different Mm -hmm. things. And this is the reason why having a a sense of history is important and understanding, uh, the political discourse and the chronology of how we got to where we got today is vitally Mm -hmm. important when it comes to understanding these issues. Like even understanding the larger philosophical debate between um, conservatism and liberalism, um, you know, is important because yeah. one thing we have to realize is that, you know, welfare was first enacted in 1935 with the creation of the Social Security Administration. And it was created by Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, to, to, to provide a stimulus during the Great Depression, which was, you know, which was, which was very damaging at that time. But, you know, 
black people were disenfranchised from those benefits. They were disenfranchised from that aid to dependent children, even though they were participating in world and in, 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 they had participated in World War One, and they they would go on to participate in World War Two, mm-hmm. and the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. So when we look mm-hmm. at the rhetoric that a lot of these men espouse when it comes to welfare and when it comes to single mothers, they are parroting white supremacist conservative talking points. See, because what they were able to do effectively in the like in the 1960s and especially in the 1970s, once black people began to get access to those, you know, to those those programs, they were able to demonize black people for their own condition. And this is something that Albert Mimi in his book, um, The Colonized and the Colonizer, talks about. And that is how that oppression justifies itself through oppression. So you use the, the condition of black people to say that black people deserve to be in that condition, to validate mm-hmm. and justify your, race, your, your white supremacist sensibilities and, and perceptions about them. And so that is what the conservatives that that is what the conservatives were able to do uh, when it when it comes to you know to welfare and these government programs that that black people began to get um, gain access to. And so what they did is they moved the the onus and the blame for black people's condition from the systemic institutional forces that are oppressing them to the way we construct our families. Because that's what they said. They said that the reason the black community is in a condition is in is because the deterioration of the black family, not because we redlined them into ghettos, we disenfranchised them, uh, disenfranchised black men from the from um, from the job market. We've uh, disenfranchised their children from from viable educational opportunities. But it's because the mother it's because the family is no longer in a nuclear setting. You see what I'm saying? Acting as if a nuclear family uh, is somehow superior to other familiar structures. Like even in even in China right now, even in China they 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 don't have a nuclear family setting. They have an extended family setting where you have uh, multiple generations of of um of families that cohabitate and live and, and live within a certain um area or in a certain or within a certain household. Right. Excuse me. See what I'm saying? So, like these men don't even understand the overall context of the debate. What they do is they go around and they parrot, um, you know, men like Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, and Larry Elder, who are nothing more than um, conservative coons or libertarian coons who only parrot and 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 and, and regurgitate white supremacist ideas. And this is something that. Um, uh, I forgot his name, but he's a he's a professor at um at a university, and he talks about how that black nationalists internalized and adopted the paternalistic mindset uh, of of white of white society as it pertains to black people. You see what I'm saying? So we have to understand where these things come from. We have to understand that. Like, check this out, because if you tell me that welfare has incentivized black people to not form family structures, to not form a family structure, and, and, and therefore it's, incent- it's incentivized them to be poor, then that is, you're essentially making the same argument like saying black people during Hurricane Katrina refused to leave because the, the government subsidized them staying there in that condition because they knew eventually the government was going to come help them. 
You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that is the mm-hmm. argument. Nobody wants to be poor. Whether you're subsidized to be poor, whether you're poor of your own volition, nobody wants to be poor. Right. And so we have to understand that this thing where you have these middle class black people and, 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 and black people who think they're doing so good and, they, and they've made all the right decisions. You have to understand that being poor is not the result of it's not a moral failing. Being poor is, right. is, is very much the result of of a system of oppression and um, and economic exploitation that exists. See what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, and yeah. that is the reality when we talk about this. Poor people did not become demonized until the face of poor people became black. And that is when you right. saw this this um, this backlash against social programs. That is when they begin to call those social pr- programs entitlements. That's the reason why they call them entitlements. You see what I'm saying? Because they act, mm-hmm. there's this sense that black people feel entitled to something, even though we have fought in every major American conflict. We have built this, the, the wealth of this country with our uh, with our bare hands, with the blood and sweat of mm-hmm. our brows. We have to realize that. So what a, what essentially has caused the, the so-called family to adapt? Because it hasn't been disintegrated, but it has adapted. What has caused that is the fact that the black black men have been um, they have been pushed to the point of irre- of irrelevancy when we talk about economics and when we talk about employment. You see what I'm saying? I made a post about that uh, about that earlier about how that. Um, black male job participation rates since uh, in the last 40 years has been steadily declining, and the black female um, labor participation rates has been steady climbing. So you're telling me the sisters put you out the house so they could go work? That doesn't even make any sense. You see what I'm saying? And so these things sound deep when people like Shahrazad Ali and all these other so-called pro-blacks say it. But when you get into the real data and you start breaking it down, it's not it's not easy. It's not hard to see what what actually transpired. And so we have to understand that in those things, that is when you began to see the black single mother, um, the black single mother demonized was in the 60s and in the 70s. Because the fact of the matter is that black single mothers have always been disproportionately high because we've always had high rates of separation, high rates of divorce, rates of desertion and and high rates of, of widowhood. So it is the system of oppression that is creating the entire dynamic. It is not the result of a pathology and a, a pathology of of underachievement per se. Now you do have a, you do have a pathology there, but that pathology is still an effect of the ultimate cause, which the ultimate cause is the systemic institutional forces of white supremacy that operate that target black men disproportionately. When we talk about economics, when we talk about um, education, and when we talk about incarceration, and so we have to understand that. But um, we're getting down to the last minute. But you know what, Kenya, we're actually going to go ahead and put together a panel, right? It's going to be a three-person, mm-hmm. a six-person panel. We'll have three men, three women, and the topic yeah. is going to be the black community, matriarchy or patriarchy. So look for that. That's going to be coming soon, and um, mm-hmm. you know we'll we'll, we'll um, you know put out the date and time once we get all that organized. But this has yeah. been um, this week's episode of the Great Liberators Radio Show. Um, you can catch us at Facebook at our, at our uh, Great Liberators page. You can catch us on Twitter at the Great Liberators, um, and you can catch us at YouTube on the Great Liberators uh, YouTube page. And we have like other you know other videos that we put up there, just breaking down um, breaking down different topics using actual data, historical dates, and um, charts and graphs and things like that. So once again, um, we want like to thank all the callers that we had, everybody who um, who listened in, and make Black America great again or die trying.
I heard that. Thank you for listening to The Great Liberator, hosts Amiri Brown and Kenya White. Until next time.